Part two, chapter ten of Quo Vadis, a tale of the time of Nero. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Quo Vadis by Henrik Sienkiewicz, translated by Binion and Malevsky. Part two, chapter ten. Petronius went home shrugging his shoulders. His mind was ill at ease. He saw clearly that he and Vinitius no longer understood each other, that a gulf yawned between them. Once he wielded an immense influence over the young soldier. He had been set up by the latter as a model in everything. A sarcastic word from Petronius could sway him either one way or the other. Now all was changed, so completely that Petronius dared not essay his old methods. Wit and irony, he felt, would glide ineffectually from the new layers deposited in the mind of Vinitius by contact with those incomprehensible Christians. The experienced skeptic knew that he had lost the key to that soul. Discontent and even fear followed, aggravated by the events of that night. Should it be no passing whim in the mind of Augusta, he thought, but a permanent passion, one of two things will happen. Either Vinitius will yield and possibly be ruined by some untoward accident, or, what is more probable, he will resist, and then he will surely perish, and I as his relative may perish with him. Augusta, including the whole family in her wrath, will throw her entire influence on the side of Tigellinus. Both horns of the dilemma are unpleasant. Petronius was a brave man. He had no fear of death. But as he expected nothing from death, he did not court it. After long thought he at last decided that the safest course would be to send Vinitius away from Rome on a journey. Ah, could he only add Lygia as a travelling companion, how gladly would he have done it! Still, he hoped it would be no hard task to induce him to go alone. He would spread the report in the Palatine that Vinitius was sick. This would save both the nephew and the uncle. Augusta could not be sure that she had been recognized by Vinitius. She might easily believe that she was not, and in that case her vanity had not yet been hopelessly wounded but the future might open her eyes. That was the danger most to be avoided. Of all things Petronius wished to gain time. He foresaw that if Nero went to Achaea, Tigellinus, who had no understanding of art, would descend to a secondary place. In Greece Petronius knew himself certain of victory over all rivals. Meanwhile he resolved to keep his eye on Vinitius and win his consent to the journey. For several days he pondered over a project to obtain from Caesar an edict banishing the Christians from Rome. Then Lygia would depart with the other confessors of Christ. After her would go Vinitius. There would be no further need for persuasion. The thing itself was possible. In fact, it was not so long since that the Jews had raised disturbances against the Christians. Claudius, unable to distinguish one from the other, had ejected the Jews. Why should not Nero eject the Christians? Rome would be less crowded without them. After the floating banquet Petronius saw Nero daily, either in the Palatine or other houses. It would be easy to suggest this idea to him, for Nero never resented suggestions that would bring pain or ruin to others. After mature reflection Petronius hit upon a plan. He would give a feast in his own home. At that feast he would obtain the edict from Caesar. He had even a hope, not entirely fallacious, that Caesar might entrust him with its execution. 
then he would send lygia out of rome with all the consideration due to the mistress of vinitius they might go to baiae if they chose and amuse themselves with love and with christianity to their heart's content he made frequent visits to vinitius with all his roman egoism he could not forego his love for his young kinsman besides he wished to urge him to the journey vinitius was now feigning sickness and never showed himself upon the palatine their new plans were resolved every day at last petronius heard definitely from caesar's own lips that in three days he would set out for antium next day he reported the news to vinitius the latter had already heard it that very morning a freedman had brought him a list of the people invited by caesar my name is among them and so is thine he said thou wilt find the same list at thy home when thou returnest were not i among the invited guests returned petronius it would mean that i had been selected for death but i hardly expected that such an omission would occur before the journey to achaea there i shall be too indispensable to nero he examined the list hardly have we returned to rome he complained but we must leave again and drag ourselves to antium there is no alternative this is no mere invitation it is a command and suppose one should not obey he would receive an invitation to quite a different journey one from which no traveller returns pity thou didst not take my advice and depart from rome in time now there is no help for it thou must go to antium i must go to antium see in what times we live what base slaves we are is this the first time thou hast noticed it no but thy argument has been that christianity is an enemy to life since it casts it into shackles would the shackles be any harder than these we are wearing thou hast said greece created wisdom and beauty and rome power where is our power summon chilo to thee converse with him i have no inclination to philosophize to-day by hercules twas not i that created these times nor have i to answer for them talk we of antium know that great peril awaits thee there it might be safer to try a fall with that barbarian who strangled croto nevertheless thou canst not refuse vinitius carefully waved his hand danger he sniffed we are all groping in the shadow of death and every moment some head disappears in that shadow shall i remind thee of all those who possessing a little sense went safely through the times of tiberius caligula claudius and nero for eighty or ninety years place before thee as an example even such a man as domitius arthur he has grown old undisturbed though all his life long he has been a thief and a scoundrel perhaps that was the reason said vinitius he glanced over the list and read tigellinus vatinius sextus africanus aguilinus regulus suilius nerulenses apurius marcellus and so on and so on what a precious lot of blackguards and scoundrels and these men govern the world would they not be better employed in carrying some egyptian or syrian divinity through the towns for public exhibition or in earning their bread by fortune-telling or dancing yes or by exhibiting educated monkeys calculating dogs or flute-playing donkeys added petronius true enough but let us talk of something more important collect thy wits and listen to me on the palatine i have reported that thou art sick and canst not leave thy home 
but thy name is on this list evidently somebody does not believe me and has done this with a purpose the matter is of no importance to nero for thou art only a soldier with whom at the best he could only converse about the races in the circus thou hast no conception of poetry and music so it is poppaea who hath had thy name placed on the list this means that her passion is no mere caprice of the moment but that she wishes to win thee she is an audacious augusta audacious indeed for she may destroy thee beyond redemption may venus inspire her with some other love as speedily as possible but as she has cast a wanton eye upon thee we must exercise the greatest caution bronzebeard is beginning to weary of her he prefers rubria or pythagoras but his very vanity would impel him to wreak the most hideous vengeance upon you both i knew not it was she who addressed me in the grove thou were listening thou knowest my answer that i loved another and wished nothing of her by all the plutonian gods i implore thee not to lose the remnant of thy reason which the christians have left thee how can one hesitate when the choice lies between probable and certain ruin have i not already explained that if thou hadst wounded the augusta's vanity no rescue would have been possible by hades if thou art tired of life twere better to open thy veins or throw thyself upon thy sword for if thou offendest poppaea no such easy death will confront thee now what is thy purpose wilt thou lose aught on thy affair will it hinder thy love for lygia remember one thing poppaea saw lygia on the palatine twill be easy for her to guess for whose sake thou neglectest such exalted favours then she will drag lygia forth even from the bowels of the earth thou wilt destroy not merely thyself but lygia also dost thou comprehend vinitius listened as though his thoughts were elsewhere i must see her he said at last whom lygia lygia knowest thou where she is no and wilt thou resume thy search for her in old cemeteries and in the trans tiber i know not but i must see her well though she be a christian she may have more sense than thou she may have sense enough not to wish thy destruction vinitius shrugged his shoulders she saved me from the hands of ursus then hurry for bronzebeard will not delay this journey he can issue sentences of death in antium as well as here vinitius was not listening one only thought possessed him to obtain an interview with lygia he pondered ways and means then something happened which seemed to remove all obstacles chilo called upon him unexpectedly next morning he came wretched and ragged signs of hunger were in his face but as the servants had received orders to admit him at all hours of the day or night they dared not deny him admittance he went straight to the great hall and saluted vinitius may the gods give thee immortality and share with thee the dominion of the world vinitius's first thought was to command that the greek should be cast out of doors his next was that the greek might know something about lygia curiosity conquered aversion tis thou he asked how is it with thee badly enough o son of jupiter virtue is a ware which nobody prizes nowadays the true philosopher must be content if only once in five days he is able to procure a sheep's head from the butcher and gnaw it in his garret washing it down with tears 
master what thou gavest me i spent on books and i was robbed and ruined and the slave who should have written down the wisdom that i was ready to dictate fled with the remnant of thy generosity i am destitute but i thought to myself whither should i turn save to thee o serapis whom i love and adore and for whom i have jeopardized my life why hast thou come and what brings thee to seek help o baal i bring you my wretchedness my tears my love and the news which i have gathered for love of thee rememberest thou master that i once told thee that i had given to a slave of the divine petronius a thread from the girdle of the venus of paphos i sought to discover if it had helped her thou o son of the sun who knowest all that goest on in that house knowest what position eunice holds there one another such thread do i possess i have preserved it for thee o master he stopped short wrath was gathering upon the brow of vinitius chilo wishing to appease the rising storm resumed quickly i know where the divine lygia resides i will show thee master the alley and the house Vinitius suppressed the emotion which this news caused him. Where is she? he asked. With Linus, the oldest of the Christian priests. Ursus is there also. He still continues his visits to the miller, the namesake of thy overseer. Demas, yes, Demas. Ursus works at nights. Hence, if thou surround the house after dark, he will not be there. Linus is old. Besides him, there are only two women still older in the house. How dost thou know this? thou wilt remember master that the christians had me in their power and spared me tis true that glaucus was mistaken in imagining that i was the cause of his misfortune but the poor devil believes this and still believes it and in spite of all they spared me no wonder master that gratitude filled my heart i am a relic of the good old days so i thought to myself should i desert my friends and benefactors would it not be ungrateful on my part not to ask after them not to learn how they were getting along whether they were sick or well where and how they live by sibel of pessinunt it is not in me to act thus but i feared at first that they might possibly misconceive my motives affection proved stronger than fear the more so that i was encouraged by the readiness with which they forgive injuries and above all master i thought of thee our last adventure ended unhappily but can a son of fortune reconcile himself to defeat with this idea i prepared victory for thee in advance the house stands apart slaves at thy order can surround it so completely that not a mouse could escape oh master master it depends only on thee whether this magnanimous king's daughter spend this night in thy house if this should happen remember that it was the poor and hungry son of my father who compassed thy happiness the blood rushed to the head of vinitius temptation once more shook his whole being yes that was the way this time a certain one lygia once in his house who could take her away once his mistress what would be left her save to remain so forever 
let religions perish what could the christians do for him with their charity and their gloomy creed had not the time come for him to shake off these dreams why should he not live as others lived lygia might find it difficult to reconcile her faith with what had befallen her but what of that the only important thing was that she should be his and his that very night doubtless her faith would not hold out against this new world against the delights of the passion to which she would surrender herself and to-day was the day he had but to detain chilo and give orders at nightfall then would come joys without end what has my life been thought vinitius save gloom unsatisfied passion and an endless propounding of unanswerable questions now he had the chance to end it all true he had sworn not to raise a hand against lygia but in whose name had he sworn not by the gods for he no longer believed in them not by christ for as yet he did not believe in him for the rest if she felt that she were wronged he would marry her and so wipe out the wrong yea he must do this for he owed his life to her he recalled the day when he and croto had invaded her retreat he recalled the fist of ursus raised above him and all that had happened thereafter again he saw her bending over his couch clad in the garb of a slave beautiful as a goddess merciful and adorable unconsciously his glance fell on the sanctuary and on the cross which she had left behind her should he repay her for all by a renewed attack should he drag her by the hair like a slave to his bed how could he do this when he not only desired but loved her and when he loved her for the very reason that she was what she was then he knew that it would not be enough for him to have her in his house not enough to clasp her in his arms by force his love needed something more her consent her love her soul blessed would be that roof if she came under it of her own free will blessed the moment the day life itself then the happiness of both would be inexhaustible as the sea and the sun but to possess her by force would be to ruin that happiness forever and at the same time to tarnish and make hideous the only precious and beloved thing in life horror seized him at the very thought he glanced at chilo who staring back hid his hands under his rags and scratched himself uneasily in a frenzy of unspeakable aversion vinitius would fain have crushed under foot that former ally of his as one crushes a foul worm or a poisonous serpent in an instant he made up his mind but knowing no measure in anything and yielding to his fierce roman nature he cried i will not do as thou counselest but that thou mayest not go forth without the reward that thou hast earned i will order three hundred lashes to be given thee in my dungeon chilo paled the handsome face of vinitius glowed with such stern determination that he could not hope the promised reward was merely a cruel jest he cast himself on his knees bending himself almost double he moaned in a broken voice wherefore o king of persia wherefore pyramid of mercy colossus of charity wherefore i am old hungry wretched i have done thee a service is this thy reward such is the reward thou wouldst give to the christians cried vinitius 
he called the overseer chilo fell prostrate at his feet and embracing them convulsively cried with deathly pallor in his face master master i am old fifty not three hundred fifty are enough a hundred not three hundred mercy mercy vinitius pushed him away with his foot and gave the order in the twinkle of an eye two powerful quadi appeared from behind the overseer seizing chilo by the remnants of his hair they wound his cloak around his head and dragged him off to the dungeon for the sake of christ cried the greek as they reached the door of the corridor vinitius was left alone the order he had given raised his spirits he strove to collect his scattered thoughts and reduce them to order the victory he had gained over himself elated him it seemed to him that he had made a long stride towards lygia some great reward must follow at the first moment it did not occur to him that he had been guilty of grievous injustice to chilo in ordering him to be flogged for the very thing for which formerly he had rewarded him as yet he was too much of a roman to feel compunction for the pain of another or to concern himself with what happened to a wretched greek had he even thought of it he would have considered he did right in punishing the caitiff but his only thought was of lygia he imagined himself saying to her i will not return thee evil for good when thou learnest what i have done to this man who would have persuaded me to raise a hand against thee thou wilt be grateful then followed the thought would lygia approve of his treatment of chilo nay her creed commanded forgiveness nay the christians forgave the scoundrel though they had greater reason for revenge then for the first time there rang through his soul the cry for the sake of christ he remembered that with this cry chilo had rescued himself from the hands of the lygians he resolved to remit the rest of the punishment he was on the point of summoning the overseer when that individual appeared before him master said the overseer the old man has fainted he may be dead shall i allow him to be flogged further revive him and bring him hither the overseer disappeared behind the curtain but the revival could not have been easy vinitius waited for a long interval and was growing impatient when the slaves led in the greek and at a given signal retired chilo was pale as a sheet down his legs and upon the mosaic pavement trickled streams of blood he was conscious however throwing himself on his knees he stretched out imploring hands thanks to thee master he cried thou art great and merciful dog know that i forgave thee for the sake of that christ to whom i myself have owed my life master i will serve him and thee be silent and listen rise thou shalt accompany me to the house where lygia dwells chilo rose but scarce had he stood on his feet when he paled with a deadlier pallor and moaned in a broken voice master i am truly hungry fain would i go master but i am too weak let me have even the remnants from thy dog's plate and i will go vinitius ordered that he should have food a piece of gold and a cloak chilo weakened by the lashes and by hunger could not even totter after food terror struck him lest vinitius might construe his weakness as obstinacy and order the flogging renewed give me wine to warm me he cried with chattering teeth and i will go to greece itself in fact after a time he recovered some of his strength and vinitius and he went out 
the road was long linus like most christians lived in the trans tiber not far from miriam's house finally chilo indicated to vinitius a small house standing apart surrounded by an ivy-covered wall this is the house master he said good said vinitius and now go thy way but first hearken to what i have to say forget that thou hast served me forget also where miriam peter and glaucus are living forget also this house forget the christians every month thou mayest come to my house where the freedman demas will pay thee two pieces of gold but if thou spiest further upon the christians i will order thee to be flogged to death or will hand thee over to the prefect of the city chilo bowed low and said i will forget but when vinitius had disappeared around the corner of the alley he stretched out his threatening hands and cried byates and furies i will not forget and then again he collapsed End of part two, chapter ten.